This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in a still rainy Dallas, Texas. And I'm Holly Kakamis from Laguna Hills, California. And you are listening to the monthly Horse Illustrated episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 23rd, episode 3004. Good morning, horse world. The fourth Tuesday of every month is all about your passion for horses. Nurture your knowledge with informative and entertaining interviews. Brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. Well, hey, Holly, it's good to talk to you again. You too. I'm glad your trailer has not floated away yeah. in the rain yet. <laughs> We're glad it didn't leak because the trailer's pretty new and we hadn't tested that yet. So uh, <laughs> it's not leaking on me in the trailer. And uh, recording seems to be going pretty well from here. And actually, I listened back to the first recording we did from the back of the trailer. And it works pretty well. It sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, you must have enough blankets hung up or whatever <laughs> you're using. But it's it sounds great. And it hasn't sounded rainy or anything like that Uh, and it is pouring for the for your (laughs) listeners who only listen once a month we're on a road trip uh, which we do once a year visiting listeners and we're also visiting the trade show this week in dallas and this time we got a living quarters horse trailer and we live in the front part and we have our studio set up where the horses are in the back so when we got the horse trailer to Murhow, when we got it, we got it that it was completely finished in the back, insulated and done. You know, the ceiling's not open and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think that makes a world of difference, actually. So um, is it business in the back, party in the front? or That's pretty much <laughs> it, yeah. We had outlets put back here so that we could, you know, plug in all the equipment and everything. And it's been working out great. So air conditioning that's... cools off both parts. Oh, yeah. Got um, to have that. Yeah. And it hauls. I really like this trailer. So there's an it's not a paid uh, commercial for Merhel, but it, uh, we do like it. So <laughs> well, no, that's that's good. And I wanted to congratulate you on your three thousandth episode. Thank so you. Yes, you we you're part this. of that. Uh, yeah, you were two episodes <laughs> part of that. Part. So yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, quite a quite an achievement, I think. So you guys have been twelve years. Did it take twelve years? Yep. Um, a lot of interviews and a lot of guests yeah a lot of interviews <laughs> we we uh i just saw on my facebook uh memories posted today the 2000th episode and it was four years ago oh. so it took us four years to get another thousand wow and you was. still have your sanity yep so still here still recording in the back of a horse trailer so <laughs> Kind of amazing. And yeah, the fact that Dallas, you said, had nine inches of rain yesterday and yes. haven't washed away. Haven't, so. Yeah, I haven't washed away. I think Dallas did, but I haven't washed away. So <laughs> we're still here. So what's coming up on today's show? I know you have a lot of guests planned. Yes, we've got a lot. We've got uh, Dale Rudin on to discuss the Five Freedoms article she wrote for Horse Illustrated, which talks about a British standard of it's for farm animal welfare, but it applies really well to horses. And I think basically each of the five freedoms could be its own podcast for a couple hours, the way <laughs> it wound up. But we try to get through them just so you know what they are. And you can read more about that in the article we'll link in the show notes. But 
Our next guest after Dale is Shelly Watts, who started a small equestrian business after her daughter started riding, and she saw a need for more inclusivity with sizes and diversity in models. And uh, so she just decided she was going to start making clothing. So it's a very interesting story. We hope you'll enjoy that. And finally, our ASPCA Right Horse Adoptable Horse of the Month, Maverick, who is an adorable Mustang. Well, we're going to get to Dale Rudin here in just a second. But first, being in the saddle, the comforting smell of the barn, the sounds of hooves, creating a satisfying melody. Perhaps these are the things that make you feel alive, inspire you, give you peace, or take all of your worries away. Cowboy Magic understands the essence of the human-animal bond and the important relationships we share with our animals. That is the real magic. We invite you to share your magic moment about your horse, dog, or any four-legged companion by sharing your favorite photos with us on social media by using the hashtag cowboy magic moments all right tell us about dale so our first guest dale rudin is a cha certified english and western riding instructor a certified equine nutritionist and a welfare-centered horse trainer dale is the president of pure joy Horse Haven Equine Sanctuary and Education Center, a not-for-profit organization in Tennessee that restores horses with severe behavioral issues, emotional trauma, and physical challenges, and provides them with a safe and loving lifelong home. Dale recently wrote an article on the five freedoms for Horse Illustrated. Hi, Dale. So you are officially a returning guest of Horse Illustrated episode of Horses in the Morning. How have you been doing for the last seven months? (laughs) I've been doing great, and I'm super happy to be back. Oh, well, we're really glad to have you because you worked on this article that ran with us. Um, and I just thought it would be a nice podcast topic because I had never heard of this before. It's uh, developed in the UK. They have the five freedoms um, developed by the British Farm Animal Council for farm animals. But as it turns out, uh, this can apply to horses, too. Um, do you want to just give us a brief rundown of what they are and then we'll talk about them individually, too? Sure. Yeah, it's pretty universal. I mean, you can uh, apply it to any animal, humans too. I mean, if we look (laughs) at this list, we definitely want to, you know, have our needs met and not be in emotional distress. So, um, so the five freedoms are freedom from hunger and thirst, freedom from discomfort, freedom from pain, injury, and disease. Uh, The fourth is freedom to express normal behavior. And the fifth is freedom from fear and distress. Yeah, I mean, they seem basic, but I think we can kind of dig into these and get more, you know, actual learning, you know, tips for everybody that has a horse. And since you're a certified nutritionist, I think number one, food and water, you probably see a lot of areas where people don't really realize they can improve here. Um, What do you frequently see that people might lack? The most common thing that I see is the misunderstanding about providing forage 24-7 to horses. There um, are often situations where horses have what we call a starvation period where there's no access to any food. And it's true that horses don't eat 24-7, but they do eat 16 to 18 hours a day. And not having food available when they want it is a stressor for them. Um, The other thing that I see, or at least I want to mention, is having clean, fresh water available. 
And mm -hmm. in extreme temperatures, when it's really hot and you have your black water bucket sitting out in the hot sun, man, at our place in the South, it it's like, I don't want to put my hand in it. And so the horses are definitely not going to drink from it. So you want to make sure right. it's in a shady place. Definitely. And then there's the winter time when things ice up and horses cannot always break ice, nor do they know how to do that. So always providing water that's accessible is super important in the winter, especially because they're going to tend to dehydrate more at that period or at that time of the year because they're cold and they don't feel like the thirst response isn't as strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember, a, I think it was a vet telling a story that they went out to this Arabian farm a bunch of times for impaction colics. And just out of curiosity, they stuck a thermometer in the water trough and it was, you know, in the summer, somewhere hot and the water was like 100 degrees. So the horses <laughs> just said, stop drinking it. So such a yeah. good point. It's not just frozen water you need to look out for. But in the summer, they need that that shaded cool water to drink all year round. So I think that's a really good point. And the forage, you know, I live in California where our horses get fed hay two to three times a day. And, you know, the 4 p.m. feeding and the 7 a.m. feeding are okay. so far apart that, you know, people aren't really thinking about it because we eat dinner and breakfast. But for a horse, it's completely different. You know, they they want that small whole hay net to pick at all night. So um, you know, there's a lot of things we can learn from these. That, that would be one that I will <laughs> toot the horn of as well as a nutritionist as well. So, uh, right. and number it, two, it, I think, uh, shelter was sort of the, the basic, um, part of number two. Um, what are things that horse owners could improve in terms of shelter and ways that they are not really aware of or thinking about? Um, you know, horses, I think, are, are generally pretty capable of managing different, you know, kinds of, you know, temperatures and, um, and weather conditions, but having the option to go into a space where they can get away from, you know, rain, wind, sun, I think is definitely going to reduce stress for the horses. And I used to be the person who would be who would say, "Oh, they're horses. Just leave them out. They, you know, even if they have shelters, they never use them." And that's true. But now that I have my own farm and all the horses have access to a shelter, if two drops of rain fall from the sky, they all just beeline into the shelter and stand and wait <laughs> for it to go by. Right. So, so clearly that's making their life better and improving their welfare. Um, and then just a couple other things to think about the the ground, you know, the footing, is it really muddy? Do they have a place, you know, where they can rest? Um, because those are things that, you know, we may not think of and it's like, oh, they're horses and they're in dirt and it doesn't really matter, but it really, it really does, you know, that you want them to have those, those conveniences because it enriches their life because they have some choices like, oh, I can go stand over here. I can stand over there. I can lay down in the soft spot. I can scratch my back on this harder spot. You know, having these options will definitely make your horse's life more comfortable for them. Yeah. So that could, could that include like stall bedding or would you put that in a different category or just in terms of not having just pure mud to stand in in the field or Kind of all of the above. Yeah, I mean, I think it. You know, a lot of these categories overlap for sure, but I think that that's yeah. something that um, that definitely 
can fall under the second category. Um, so bedding, yeah, a place where they can be comfortable, where they can stand comfortably. Um, you know, if maybe they're not living like on a 45 degree slope all the time, you know, they can find a place to stand comfortably or lie down without <laughs> yeah, sliding down or across the, I live across from a horse neighborhood and it's on basically a 45 degree hill. The first pasture I see, I'm always like, Oh, those horses, they're always standing right? on the hill. Feel bad for them. Why do we um, though? Why, when we put shelters in their fields so they can be out of the rain and the heat, do they stand out in the rain and the heat and not in the shelter? Um, so a couple reasons. One, they don't like the shelter for some reason. Um, and two, it's just their preference as an individual. Mm. It makes us and mad, I've, but I mean, I've heard <laughs> that some horses don't like yeah. to go in if another horse is in there, or you should have 12 by 12 per horse. If you have like two horses, three horses, they each need, you know, enough space because they're not going to stand shoulder to shoulder. So I had never thought about that because most shelters are all the same size and you just keep adding more horses to your pasture. So that could be something to think about. But um, yeah, I think number three is probably the broadest category. It's sort of everything health related, um, calling the vet, everything all the way to saddle fit and exercise. Uh, I know you're you're very into saddle fit. Uh, what kind of um, recommendations would you have for people that they might not think about in terms of exercising, saddle fit, biomechanics, all of that good stuff? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we could have like a 10 hour podcast, <laughs> I know. Yeah. But, but, but let me do it in two minutes. I gotcha. <laughs> go, uh, go. Um, yeah. Uh, having, um, a qualified saddle fitter to make sure your saddle's fitting properly. Here, you know, here, I'll give you kind of like a general perspective on this stuff is that there are a lot of things that can affect your horse that you may not notice, but they're insidious. And over time, if, if it's not getting better, it's getting worse. So you might see things like behavioral changes or refusals or you come to put the saddle on and, you know, ears are pinning back. It may be a saddle fit issue. It may be a mechanical, you know, biomechanic issue where, where the horse is being put in a physical position when they're being ridden that is unhealthy and causes pain and, and it's, it's damaging. So pain is the first sign that something isn't right. And then if it continues, then the body starts to remodel itself to, accommodate what's going on it tries to adapt and we can literally alter the structure of our horses muscles bones tendons ligaments everything if unless we ask our horse to use them their bodies in a healthy way so the horse being relaxed the horse using its body symmetrically these are all things that that we as riders need to be aware of so that when we're riding our horses, we're improving their well-being versus causing harm to their, you know, their bodies, which also is going to have an emotional impact on them as well. They're going to be stressed out and upset. And there's no, that's not fun for them, clearly. And it's going right. to cause problems for us too. You know, if we want to have some kind of you know, performance from our horses, um, and we want them to want to work for us and not have a fight every time and have it be, you know, enjoyable, then we really need to learn 
how to work our horses in a way that improves their function and um, and keeps them feeling good. So just sort of being on the lookout for those subtle changes, um, not necessarily obvious pain, but something like imbalance to either side, or is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, it could be imbalance, increased hollowness, behavioral changes. You know, um, if you have a horse that's kicking out from, you know, walk to canter transition, then things have probably gotten pretty far already. If they're, that's like yelling from a horse's, mm-hmm. you know, point of view. Um, if they're just a little sticky about it or they pop a hind lead, um, then that means something's going on. If if the horse starts to yell and things have gone on for a long time, it'll be that much harder to resolve um, because the pattern of movement and the pattern of behavior has been established. So yes, to answer your question, look for <laughs> the tiniest little changes yeah. because that's when you can intervene and make a difference that, you know, where you're, you're not going to have to, you, the hole hasn't been dug so deep that you have a lot of filling to do before right. you get to the top. That makes sense. I I like that advice for sure. Uh, and then we have number four, freedom to express normal behavior. So I think of looking, uh, you know, living in a herd 24-7 when I hear expressing normal behavior, but, you know, here in California, they're living in stalls. Is there anything you can do with a horse that lives in a stall that would help improve, you know, his normal behavior? Uh, yeah, I know in California, you know, coming from there myself, how difficult that can be. Uh, one of the things that we used to do was to find horses that were compatible and, you know, make friends with the owners and turn them out together for periods of time and let them play and groom and do all Mm -hmm. of that. Um, you can, you can groom your horse and some horses will start grooming you back. So you can, you know, kind of mimic that for them. Um, and and I want to I want to also define normal versus natural behavior. So so natural behavior is a behavior that you know that that all horses are going to do, and all and all behaviors are natural. So anything that your horse does, whether it's standing calmly or totally flipping out, is natural depending on the circumstances and that horse's state of mind or physical state in the moment. So the freedom to express normal behavior um, is is also taking a step back and saying, hey, this is how this horse needs to be right now. And this is this is normal for this horse. And that's okay. If it's a problem for the horse or it's a problem for you, then what we need to do is assess possible triggers and then try to help the horse think about things differently in that situation or you know again kind of reducing stress can be part of it but you know like I said all behavior is natural some behaviors aren't normal like weaving cribbing incessant pawing it's 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 natural for the horse to do that, but it isn't a normal thing for a horse to do. So when we see those probably be another two hour podcast on at least (laughs) (laughs) maybe we'll do an article on that someday. There you go. We definitely would love to cover that. Um, 
All right. Well, we have one more freedom to cover, and that is number five, freedom from fear and distress. So that one, you know, it seems obvious, but a lot of training methods seem to use fear to get a horse to comply. Um, how do you as a trainer see um, using a more calm and positive approach? I, oh, you know, yeah, again, big topic. <laughs> Sounds yeah, simple. I apologize. <laughs> Uh-huh. No, it's an important one. It's so important because as a behavior-based, you know, welfare-centered trainer, I'm always looking for signs of fear and distress. And yes, in the world, this is the, it's the norm more than the exception. And that's really unfortunate. And a lot of training methods do use that to get the horse to comply, to get the horse to be obedient, submissive, you know, we're supposed to be dominant and they're supposed to bend to our will without any question. So when those times of types of methods are applied, then what you're creating is a, a psychologic conflict in the horse. And the horses will respond usually one of two ways. They'll either explode and fight to a point, and then they will what's called shut down and develop learned helplessness. And so what that means is they they no longer have control over themselves and their natural instincts to survive, to protect themselves, to even play learn, engage with the world, that all becomes suppressed. So this last freedom of, you know, from fear and distress is something that we can provide to our horses. This is something, this is a gift that we can give to them. And it's a gift that comes back to us a thousandfold, because if our horses are functioning from fear and distress, we are not connecting with them. We're, we're not partnering with them. We're definitely overpowering them. We're overwhelming them. So we can do this for them. And it is actually, and I'm a little hesitant to say this because I'm not sure people are going to believe me, but your horse is safer when they're relaxed and thinking than they are when they're, when their natural instincts are shut down and mm. they aren't able to think properly and process information well. That's where they can get triggered and get you know, have really reactive behavior. The world is going to feel scary to them. But if they're calm and confident, then they're going to have a lot of resilience and be able to handle things so much better. And they're going to want to participate with us. And they're going to want to not just cooperate, but collaborate and be like, you know, give us more than we ask for. And I'm getting chills when I say that because I know what that's like. And it's just the most incredible experience. Absolutely. Now that makes a ton of sense what you're saying, I think, of why, you know, not just, oh, we want them to be happy for its sake, but just how they're processing the information um, in terms of how we <laughs> ride them and all that, uh, train them. So, okay, well, thanks so much for being on with us again today and tell us where the listeners can find you online. I can be found at purejoyhorsemanship.com. And I loved being on today. Thank you so much for having me back. 
Awesome. Well, we will link the Five Freedoms article if anyone wants to read the whole thing um, in the show notes. And thanks again, Dale. We are excited to offer special subscription discounts just for our podcast listeners. Get Horse Illustrated Magazine starting at $11.99. We have print, digital, or a combo of both. If you'd like to get our sister publication, Young Rider, which is for horse crazy tweens and teens ages 8 to 15, those rates start at $9.99. Go to horseillustrated.com slash HRN for all of our special rates just for podcast listeners. And next up, we have who? Our next guest is Shelly Watts. She is the founder and CEO of Mirneen Equestrian, launched in October 2021. Their riding apparel is made in the USA by Soists Making a Fair and Living Wage. The social mission of Mirneen is to make ethical apparel, promote size, inclusivity, and showcase diversity in the equestrian sports. Shelly serves as a leader of Detroit Horsepower, advisory board member of Wild Beauty Foundation, and a moderator of the English Plus Size Rider Group on Facebook. Mirnine Equestrian is an official sponsor of the USA Pentathlon team through the 2024 Paris Olympics. The company is named after her retired horse. Hi, Shelly. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Holly. Well, I would like to start off with a kid brag because I know you have a daughter and I just wanted to ask what kind of riding she does and how that helped you get back into the horse world. Absolutely. So my daughter's name is Jojo and she is a hunter and she recently started lessons about two years ago. Fantastic. So you were into horses as a kid and then sort of came back to it or how did that work? I did. So I rode lessons for about a couple of years when I was a preteen and didn't quite fall in love with it. I was at a stable where you really just got plopped on the horse for your lesson and then left. And so there wasn't a lot of human horse interaction and so I kind of stopped for a while and then when my daughter wanted to ride horses again I was really excited and I knew I wanted to do it with her oh I love it the mother-daughter riding that's very cool that sounds good um and then before we get to your business uh, I see that you work with Detroit Horsepower which I've heard of um can you tell us more about that Absolutely. So we teach Detroit students to ride and care for horses. And it's a really fantastic program. And I love working with Detroit students every, every single day. That's awesome. Yeah, I I think we need to do an article on them because they, uh, they sound like a really good group. So we'll, we'll be in touch about that. (laughs) But fantastic. On to your small business that you started. Um, Where did, first of all, I was just curious about the name. Mirnine, where did that come from? Sure. So Mirnine is actually my horse's name. And so she is a retired racehorse and she is happily just grazing grass now and on my payroll. Well, we like that too. It's always good to have that nice, expensive lawn ornament to look at. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And then, so you decided you wanted to get into a clothing business. Was that a difficult decision or how did you just decide to kind of jump into that? So when my daughter wanted to start riding, of course, we had to look the part. And so we started shopping and looking at websites through magazines to look for some clothes for her and for myself. And we, I specifically was really disappointed that there wasn't a lot of diversity. In other sports, I think we've come a long way to bring diversity into various sports. And I feel like the horse sports have been a little bit behind on that. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I can definitely see what you're saying. And so you thought, um, you know, just in terms of marketing images, and I also see that, um, you know, it was important to you to have the clothing made in the USA. How did that sort of all come together into a finished business plan? So when I first started looking for clothing, I just noticed things. And there weren't any writers that looked like us. And there wasn't a lot of diversity in the I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there. What's us look like? Us meaning uh, me and my daughter. We're both Taiwanese. She's okay. half. I'm 100% Taiwanese, and so um, Asian writers definitely weren't represented. And then also minority writers weren't represented in the magazines and on the websites. You're, you're absolutely right, especially with the Asians. It 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 does seem that that is a real minority, like minority minority. Yes, there's yeah. not a lot of people that look like us at the barns, shows, or on websites for, for horse apparel. It's funny, one of our owners here at Horse Radio Network is Dr. Wendy Yang, and uh, you know she comes from Chinese derivation, and she always joked about being the only Chinese carriage driver in the country. You oh, know? that's fantastic. <laughs> you know? So uh, that's where I was made aware of it years ago. Yeah, I'm and it's really important. Which is... You know, we're, we have a lot of diversity at the barn in California, and so I think of it as just normal. But, yeah, you're totally right. You know, when I've lived in other states and looking at catalogs, it's just not <laughs> represented. So, And it's really important to have representation because when you mm-hmm. don't see yourself in a sport and you're not represented, it, the, the likelihood of you joining or lasting in that sport is, is pretty slim. And so my mom had the good sense or she doesn't know any better because my best friend growing up had horses and was starting to take lessons. And so she was like, well, I'll sign you up too. And she had no idea what she was signing me up <laughs> they for. They never do. No. <laughs> I don't think she'd even seen a horse before coming to one of my lessons. Oh, wow. And then she went, oh, <laughs> now a minute. <laughs> yes. So oh, what yeah. what's different? We're actually heading to Wisa. We're in Dallas now. We're going to be going to Wisa. Obviously, we'll see a million, a million different clothing items. What made your clothing better for the diverse audience that you have? Did that so, come out right? Did I make? Yes, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. A couple of things. So we noticed that they're just in fashion in general that very little is made in the USA. So I knew that I wanted my clothing to be made in the USA and also to provide fair and living wages for people. And for I know that's financially really difficult for our company, but that was a non-negotiable for me. I knew that I had to support jobs here in the US. That's awesome. I think a lot of people just go for whatever's the cheapest, you know, and don't think about it. So I, I love hearing that. And I also wanted to make sure that there was enough diversity, not just in representation and photography and models, but also in sizes. There's some, uh, we're Mm. we're kind of behind in the size diversity and inclusiveness Mm -hmm. for the sport as well. And so you, you see the same type of body and model and look in all the various ads. And so I knew that I wanted everyone to be able to enjoy horse sports and in order to do that you you have to have really nice looking clothing to to be able to to do that and so i wanted to make sure that our sizes ranged as as much as possible so right now our sizes range up to a, a 50 inch waist and we'll probably go up from there as well 
Yeah, I noticed that I was looking at one of the I was looking at the riding leggings in bodacious black, which I love the name. <laughs> um, so I was looking at that and I went, oh, wow, they go up to 48 to 50, which you never see. No, no. that's very, very rare. So our sizes go up five more sizes than most. And I think my largest size, actually, they are saying, so my customers are saying, wow, actually it's a little bit too big for me. And I have, I have to go down a size. So they, it's actually more accommodating um, than even I think it is. So I'm really happy about that. Well, that's good because the clothing you buy now seems to be 12 sizes smaller than it was 10 years ago. So, <laughs> yes. I, or I'm 12 <laughs> sizes bigger. I don't know which. Um, I love how you name the sizes too, by the way. Oh, thank you. So they're all named after endangered horse species. And so oh, is that right? trying to just, yes, they oh. are. So I just wanted to bring just as much attention and light to things that I had control over. Well, now the two largest sizes are unicorn and pegasus, and they are definitely endangered horse species. No <laughs> yeah, question. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> we we may find them someday, but I'm still, I'm still holding out. And I have a hackney pony and hackney's represented at 36 to 38. And I happen to be a 36. So I'm, you nailed that one. That was perfect. Shout out to Hackneys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so did you have a fashion background before you started or business background? So fashion, absolutely not. So I have no clothing, manufacturing, or sewing uh, background at all. And But I have been a serial entrepreneur, and I've always just loved bringing creativity into the world, helping people. And so this was really a perfect fit for me. And so it's been a really, really crazy wild adventure for me. And I've loved every second of it. That's awesome. It sounds like quite a ride uh, and it's doing very well. So do you have um, future plans to expand? And can you tell us about what products you currently have and what you will be rolling out in the future? So I wanted to start off with a basic collection. So when I launched the the company in fall of 2021, I started off with a basic collection, a training top, riding leggings. And so for summer 2023, we're going to be expanding pretty drastically. So we're going to have traditional breeches. We're going to have a sun shirt, jewelry, socks, belts. And so that will be really, really fun. And we're going to be doing photo shoots across the country and actually having real equestrians and a diverse set of equestrians for all of our photo shoots. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I can't wait to see. So definitely keep us posted on that. And uh, so where can people find your clothing online? Sure. They can find the clothing at www.mirneen.com, M-U-I-R-N-E-E-N. Fantastic. Well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes and as well as your Instagram and Facebook links. So thank you so much for joining us today, Shelly. Thank you, Holly. Thanks, Glenn. This has been fun. For your next performance, look your best with the quick grooming solution, Cowboy Magic Green Spot Remover. An easy-to-use shower in a bottle for your horse. This waterless shampoo is great for any color horse and for year-round use. Natural and free from bleaches and dyes, Green Spot Remover contains non-sudsing cleaners derived from plants that work to break down foreign molecules while instantly removing manure, urine, and sweat marks, leaving a clean, conditioned, and beautifully shiny coat. 
anybody that shows knows about this stuff. Learn more at CowboyMagic.com. That's Cowboy Magic's Green Spot Remover. Next up, we have our horse, Adoptable Horse of the Month, brought to you by the ASPCA's Right Horse Initiative, which I mess up every single month. And uh, we have Nancy Dunn on with us. She's barn manager at Equine Rescue and Adoption Foundation in Palm City, Florida, talking about a Mustang. Well, hi, Nancy. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Holly. So tell us about your organization. Where are you located and, and what do you do? We are Equine Rescue and Adoption Foundation. We are loaded, located on the east coast of Florida, um, an area called the Treasure Coast, which is about 45 miles north of Wellington. Very cool. And today we're ironically talking about a Mustang. I say ironically because we've had a, all of these adoption agencies on in the middle of the country where the Mustangs are housed. And we go to Florida to find a really cool one. His name is Maverick, and he just looks like the wisest Mustang ever. He has a great face. He really does. Uh, he's super smart, um, just a really intelligent horse. Um, he, um, let's see, he's seven years old. He's a gelding. He's really stocky, built 14 hands, um, and he kind of has your classic Mustang look to him with the little Roman nose and the, like a long, flowy forelock. Um, he's a real handsome dark bay. Holly said that before we even got on. You said the exact same thing, yep. didn't you? you just... I did. I said that face is just such a perfect classic Mustang. I love it. It's adorable. Yep. <laughs> I have a hackney, so I'm, I'm partial to the Roman noses anyway, so... <laughs> I think they're cool. <laughs> so what has Maverick done? Well, what was Maverick's story? How did you come to get Maverick? Actually, he has a really interesting story. Um, we received a call from the Okeechobee Sheriff's Department about three starving Mustangs on a field. And when we went out there, he was still completely wild, and he was still wearing his BLM tag around his neck. Um, we estimate he'd been out there for at least two years. Oof. So he was well-trained under saddle and doing hunter jumpers at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was, he was doing it all. <laughs> so much so that when we brought him home to the rescue and we put him out in the paddock, um, the best he could do was run to the other side and wheel around and snort at you. <laughs> <laughs> so we were starting from ground zero. <laughs> um, but it's amazing. You know, it, it was a slow process at the beginning. Um, it always is when, when you get these Mustangs in. Um, but it's amazing where he is now. And where, um, so where is he now? Is he, uh, done his groundwork? Is he under saddle? Where, where are we? He's not under saddle yet. Um, you know, he had, like I said, he had to start back at the beginning. So, you know, he had to learn everything. So you can bathe him, you can groom him. He stands well for the vet and the farrier. Um, he'll actually come to you, um, on the field with a whistle, um, He's started his groundwork. Um, he's done some work in the round pen. He's had a bridle on. He'll stand up at the mounting block. He's really ready for his next steps with someone to really start training for under saddle. And what's his adoption fee? His adoption fee is fifteen hundred. Okay, so uh, you know, I think this is a perfect opportunity for somebody in the southeast where we don't have as many mustangs up for adoption. You know, so it's kind of cool that uh, they have this opportunity to get one right. And of course, you know, uh, many of the hosts here on the Horse Radio Network have mustangs and have trained mustangs, but it does take a certain kind of person to do it. It, it really does, um, and, and we're looking we're looking for someone 
who has a lot of experience training horses, uh, mainly because he's still green, um, someone who's got the time and the patience to really put into him. Um, it's, it's really, he's going to be worthwhile. He's going to be a really great horse for someone. So they contact you, they fill out an application. How does that work? Yeah. Um, so they give us a phone call. Um, we talk a little bit on the phone about, you know, what their needs are. And if we have something that sounds like it would be what they're looking for, I invite them to come out and meet the horses. Um, we work really, really hard to make sure that we match the right horse with the right person. Um, if they find, you know, the right horse, then, you know, they can either fill out an application ahead of time if they want to, but they can wait until after they've picked something as well. Um, and as far as next steps beyond that, the adopter is always welcome to bring out a vet to examine the horse if they like. Um, but do know that we always open our veterinary records to the adopters so that they always will know as much about the horse as what we know. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can just click on it right there on your phone and take, you got to go. I mean, even if you're not interested in adopting Maverick, you have to see his pictures uh, because <laughs> he, he's so unique looking. I love him. All right. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Maverick is a cutie. I hope Maverick gets adopted by one of our listeners because Maverick's a cutie. I, I know. I want follow-up pictures. <laughs> yes, that's right. At your farm. Well, Horse Illustrated can be found at horseillustrated.com. And find the links to today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com or horseillustrated.com slash podcast. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all the Horse Radio Network shows wherever you go with our free app for iPhone or Android or go to the App Store and search Horse Radio Network. Happy reading and riding.